Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show, as always, for you this evening. Uh, we're starting off, as, uh, as it mentioned in the intro, uh, with a great panel discussion uh, with uh, a couple of great professionals here on Coach's Corner. And then a little bit later on in the broadcast, I'm going to be joined by this evening's special guest. He is the CEO of College Golf Experience, or CGX for short. Uh, Joshua Jacobs is going to be joining us again on the show. He's been on a number of times, but the uh, first time that he's been on, we're going to talk about uh, his new, newest adventure, which has been out, uh, I think, for a couple of years now, but we'll get the scoop from him a little bit later on. So let me remind everybody, of course, we are live uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central or 7 to 9 for those of you in Eastern time. And uh, you'll have to figure out your math on all of the other uh, 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 time zones because I'm not figuring it out for you. But uh, thank you for joining me. And uh, for some reason, if you can't join us live uh, Thursday evenings, you can always listen to the shows in the recorded version, which is available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live, and just scroll down to the on-demand section, and you'll find them there front and center. And you can listen to tonight's. will be there a little bit after uh, the broadcast ends, which will be at 8 p.m. Central, as I mentioned. Uh, and usually within a few minutes, uh, it compiles, and, and it will be available there in the recorded version. So if you tune in late or are not able to, uh, to join us live, that's the best way to find it. And, of course, if you want to listen to it, you can go to anywhere that uh, great podcasts are fine are found rather, and at the end of the show, uh, when we do the outro, it'll tell you some of the other places that you can get the show as well. But thank you, everybody, for joining. This is, uh, again, Season 11 of Golf Talk Live. I'm very excited about that, and I'm very excited uh, to have tonight's uh, Coach's Corner panelists, uh, two great professionals. I'm going to introduce them, and then we'll get into tonight's discussion. Uh, first up, of course, is Pete Buchanan. He's been teaching golf now for over 30-plus years. Uh, he's the founder and director of instruction for Plain Simple Golf LLC, which of course houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Swing, uh, sorry, Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace, and he's uh, dedicated to helping golfers of all levels focus on building a repeatable swing. Uh, also joining the panel tonight is Sue Weeger. Uh, she is a number one best-selling international author, motivational speaker, and peak performance coach, and she's been uh, teaching this great game as an LPJ Class A professional for over 24 years, and is the owner of Weeger Consulting LLC. And her book, uh, Golf the Last Six Inches, Change Your Brain, is available at Amazon.com. So, Pete and Sue, uh, welcome to Coach's Corner Panel. Thank you, Ted. Looking it's good to be here. here. Yeah, same here. All right. I appreciate it. And this is uh, the first time this year that you guys have been on, Season 11. So I want to thank you for uh, being able to, uh, to make it on tonight's show. As I've mentioned many times, I know it's not always easy. 
uh, when you're coming off the, uh, the lesson tee, as it were, and uh, wrapping up your day and then have to come back and spend an hour with me. So I appreciate it very much, and <laughs> thanks for putting up with me for all of these years. So, um, all right, we got a, we got a great discussion that we're going to talk about tonight. It's part of a, uh, really a sort of a, a third part of a series that I've been doing the first few weeks uh, with Coach's Corner, and it's based on an article, a cover story that actually I did in the last issue of Golf Tips Magazine, uh, which was our March-April issue, uh, and it was really uh, about becoming the best player that you can be. And tonight we're going to talk about some tips to improve your overall game on the discussion. And some of them you may have heard before, but I always am a firm believer that you can never repeat them enough, and I think you'll like tonight's discussion. So I'm going to start uh, in the order that I introduced you, Pete. I'm going to go with you first. And uh, obviously, Sue, once I'm done with him, um, before I get to you, if you want to add any uh, additional thoughts or comments onto his and, and vice versa, Pete, when, uh, when I'm done with Sue, uh, you're welcome to add any additional thoughts on that before you answer uh, the question at hand. So, Pete, we're going to start the first number uh, tip, if you will, uh, to improve your overall game is the pre-shot routine. And this is probably, I would say, one of the most overlooked aspects of golf and probably in the top two of reasons why many high handicappers struggle on the golf course. Uh, developing a solid pre-shot routine is key to calming your mind and body, uh, and when done regularly and consistently, it can certainly help signal to your mind and body that you are fully ready and committed to the shot. So now that we're ready to the shot, what do we need to do ahead of time uh, to help build a solid pre-shot routine? Give me your thoughts here, Pete. That's a great question. Uh, you know, I think for the most part, and Sue, you'll probably agree. I think sometimes the the higher the handicap player we have, the the least amount they do this. Um, they're not as prepared to play shots as as some of the other players are. But you know, I I always like to to first of all start off with what am I up against first. So you know, where's my ball sitting? You know, depending on what shot I'm hitting, what's the lie? What am I doing? What am I looking for? Um, if if I can picture this shot in the air and then coming down, where's it going to be? So I want to get a good visual, uh, you know, look at what I'm trying to do first. Once I figure out, you know, what I want the ball to do, now I've got to arrange myself to do it. I've got to put myself, you know, in a in a consistent, repeated address position to be able to hit the shot that I just pictured. So I think starting off with looking at what you want the ball to do first and then making sure that you take the time to set up the same way all the time. And it doesn't really matter you know, what it is that you do, uh, as long as it doesn't take too much time. I mean, you want to make sure you do it in a timely fashion. But it's really important that you get a set routine of, of how you approach it. I always look at what I'm trying to do first and then, you know, figure out what club I'm going to use to hit the shot that I pictured. And then, you know, I always have a, a routine that I go through with, you know, how I start from behind, uh, how I aim the club. I usually hold on to it with just uh, – just my right hand first and put the left hand on. And then I arrange myself in there secondly. So it, it's a routine that I've developed over time um, that, uh, you know, I've always used to get myself set. And then once I get set, you know, then I just go. I don't take too much time, you know, sitting over it. Um, I think you can, you can stand there too long and start to second guess what you're doing. So once you've decided what you need to do, you've got the tool to do it, get yourself into that, you know, repeated routine of how you set up to it. And then once you're ready, take off and go and then just repeat it on the next one. But 
Yeah, it's it's really important to have something because I think, as you said at the, the start there, Ted, it not only gives you a consistent way to set up to it, but it also helps settle you down. Um, and mm-hmm. if you have a routine, it makes it easier to flow through every shot and, you know, take some of the nerves out and, and just get you prepared each time to, to hit each shot. And I think if you look at it that way and, and each time you get to the shot you're going to hit, you, you picture what you want to do first. It helps alleviate what just happened. So you're not dwelling on the, the shot you just had. Now you got a new routine. you got a new spot you got to start up. And, I mean, new routine, you're going to do the same type of setup, but you're going to start over again. But, yeah, I think it's really important that you get something that you can do and, uh, you know, do it the same way all the time. I know there's one little thing that I do that, you know, I didn't even notice right before I usually take the club back. I, my first finger of my right hand comes off the club and goes back on. I didn't even know I did it. But somebody says, why do you take your finger off the club and put it back on before you? I said, well, I do it every time, so it must be part of the routine. So, you know, it's just <laughs> something that I do. So it's just part of it. So, you know, I'm not going to change it. I said, well, thanks for no. telling me because now I'm thinking about it. But, no, it's um, right. it's just something that, you know, it, it's gotten in there over the years. And, um, you know, you try to repeat the same thing all the time. And I think also, too, if you can incorporate some of this into your practice, it'll make your practice sessions go a little bit better, too instead of just standing there and beating balls all the time, you know, you should stop yourself and start over and start develop a routine on the practice ground first. And I think that'll settle your practice sessions down as well. Yeah. Well said. Um, and, and Sue, I think it's also just to, to touch on it just a little bit more. And, and again, if you want to share some thoughts is it's an opportunity really to refocus, to get refocused, if you will, after the shot that you, even if it's your first shot of the day, um, it's a chance to focus, get prepared. You've, you've assessed the situation, as Pete talked about, and now it's an opportunity to get focused. And then as you move forward, uh, you want to refocus, if you will, for the next shot. You want to forget about what just happened, but you want to refocus as well. And, again, as, as Pete talked about, is you don't want to spend a lot of time. I mean, 15, 20 seconds for a pre-shot routine is more than enough, any more than that, and you're basically standing over for the next you know, two minutes, and, and now you're thinking about a lot of things. But any any thoughts you want to add to this as well? Yeah, I think it's, um, as we always say, is one shot at a time. And many golfers, you know, carry their last shot into their into the next shot, and that's the problem with a lot of the golfers. So um, I think that um, you have to, the pre-shot routine is about being present about the next shot, not about the last shot. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of the amateurs struggle because they tend to, you know, carry the, what I would call the trash into the, <laughs> the, the last shot, the not, the not so good shot into the next shot. And um, I think it's part of the training when you are practicing, you know, on the driving range, whatever, um, to, you know, practice your pre-shot routine so that um, you don't carry, you know, the next or let's just say the last shot into the into your next shot, because um, I think that's what a lot, of, a lot of amateurs do is they tend to um, you know focus on oh my god if I don't hit this one I'm going to shoot a certain number or right. um, you know yeah that's and I think they're they're too worried about what happened um, in the last shot um, and I think that's where I think that's where a lot of the people struggle is you know mentally. They don't know where to go sometimes uh, mentally, and that's why I teach my players the difference between the right brain and the left brain. The left brain is is your analytical side. So the analytical side is you can, when you're standing in your pre-shot routine, the think box is what I call it, 
is you can you're receiving all the information for from the target, and then there's a commitment line between the think box and the play box. And once you step over that commitment line, you're ready to go, and you've already accepted what you're going to do, and you have a plan mm-hmm. in place. And then you just then you just do it. And I, I think that's where people struggle is, you know, they just, like you said, they go to the range and they just bang balls, ball after ball after ball, and they don't think about, um, you know, what they're doing in regards to their next shot. Yeah, and, and that, that is extremely common, as, as Pete actually pointed out. Um, we see that all the time. And the range is the best place to really incorporate this because you get if you get practiced in your practice sessions doing this pre-shot routine, then it makes it that much easier. And there's a reason. I mean, there, you know, there's a reason for everything. And if you watch the pros, they're not doing it for the sake of doing it. There's a purpose for them to do that. And so yeah. if they're doing it at the level that they are, then certainly the heck, you know, the rest of us need to be doing the same thing in order to be better players. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to come to tip number two for you, Sue. Take a deep breath while I, um, you know, lead into this next one. And then, as I said, Pete, afterwards, if you want to add in some extra thoughts. So number two is is staying on task. And this is really to be sure that we always stay focused on the task at hand, as, as you've both alluded to, and not the outcome. So understanding and deciding what you need to do at this particular moment is extremely important. So once you've made the decision, uh, once that has been made, it's now time to choose your strategy for the shot, align your shot, go through your pre-shot routine, as we've both discussed, and trust mm-hmm. and be confident in the decision that you've made. Then perform the swing. So, again, it, it talks about the pre-shot routine helping you to focus and helping you to stay on the task at hand. Any additional thoughts mm-hmm. that you want to add in there? Well, I think this when people are standing over a, a shot, many times people don't trust themselves, and so they worry about what's going to come out of them. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know people don't um, you know don't succeed sometimes when they're over the ball because their brain and their confidence isn't like completely a hundred percent trusting themselves. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know people struggle is because they don't trust themselves over the ball, and and that's part of the um, the pre-shot routine, because once you get inside what I call the play box, when you're standing over the ball, you want to be 100% committed to what you're going to do. And most of the time, most amateurs aren't. <laughs> and right. they are, so, so I just teach my players, and I'm like, okay, if you're, not, if you're not 100% committed to what you're going to do, you need to step out of that box and come back and start over. And it's okay to start over. And many people like, well, people are going to think I'm kind of crazy if I have to start my routine over. I'm like, no. I said, you see professionals on the tour do it all the time. And right. I said, it's okay, for, it's okay for you to do it too. And I think that's where people struggle. It's just a, um, sometimes they just, you know, they <clears throat> they have the pre-shot routine and they're there and they get over the ball and then all of a sudden something kicks into their head uh, or their brain and then they don't trust themselves and then they try to swing and then they're like, Oh, I knew, I knew I should have stepped away from the ball. I'm like, you're absolutely right. Yeah. When you know, you know. So I mm-hmm. think that's where people, that's where a lot of the amateurs struggle. Yeah. Well said. And Pete, just to add on to that, I think this is where, uh, again, something else that a lot of people um, really struggle to, to focus on is, is the task at hand. They're thinking about other shots as, as Sue has mentioned and, and you also mentioned is they're thinking about, you know, instead of focusing on the fact that they're now in the bunker and uh, they've got to get it up onto the green, they're thinking, you know, the next hole, oh, it's a par three, it's over water, 
or maybe they're thinking the last couple of shots, boy, if I had just done that on the hole, and they're not really paying attention to the focus at hand, and they sort of go through a very uh, quick, uh, non-repetitive routine. Um, so any tips that you can think of to really help us be able to encourage our students to stay on task? What are some thoughts that you have that maybe we can do to, to sort of stay on task? What, what are some ideas that you might have to suggest? You know, Sue made a great point when you talk about being 100% committed, but I would add to that, I said, the shot that you're trying to, to perform, make sure you can perform it. I mean, so many mm -hmm. times, you know, in situations, they try to play shots that, you know, the, the old adage, well, I saw this on TV, well, that'll lead to a double bogey right. in no time. But, you know, you have to be able to, to play the shot that, that you know you can play, and I think that will help you stay way more committed to what you're doing as long as you know you can pull it off. I mean, so many times I've looked at somebody, they're, they're a long, long ways away, and I said, you know, just, just take out a seven iron and let's play two shots to the screen. Let's make it a little right. easier for you. Play a shot that you know you can play, and, and let's go from there. And, and, yeah, you're right. I mean, most players, they're always, you know, dwelling on the consequences of what just happened. And, you know, you have to get yourself away from that. And I think if you can, you can do that more in practice to start with, I think that'll help you. But again, you know, I've always been, you know, play shots, you know, you can play, um, you know, when you're picturing something that needs to happen, make sure you can do it. And I think that'll be a little bit easier for you to stay on the task that you're trying to, to do in the shots that you're trying to hit, because you're going to have a lot more confidence because you know, you can play this one. You've done it time and time again. But I think it's when you, especially when you get in trouble, you know, I always used to say, it's like, you know, leave it to Beaver when, you know, when, when, Beaver was in trouble. He all he had to do was fess up and he'd been fine, but he just gets himself in more trouble. So when you get right. in trouble, you got to get out. <laughs> you know, just keep yourself out, and you know, start from there, and that'll help you ease back into that task and get yourself started again. So don't try to play the miracle shot when you you put yourself in trouble. There's a reason you're in trouble. You got to get out of it. So I think you know, playing shots you know you can play, uh, and incorporating that into that routine, I think will help you stay on task. Yeah, and that's a good example, too. I was actually just watching some reruns of Leave it to Beaver the other day um, <laughs> when I had a few minutes. And uh, so, in, in, and actually, that particular episode, like many of the others, he found himself in trouble and tried to, you know, get himself out uh, without really putting much thought into it. But it always ends the same, uh, the same every episode. But um, uh, it would have been a lot shorter show if he would have done what we're talking about. But, you know, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but, anyways. And for those of you that, that uh, are a little younger out there and don't know what we're talking about, Google it. Leave it to Beaver. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm sure you can find some, some clips. Um, but anyways, um, you know, so really I, I think what a lot of it is too is, you know, again, when you watch the professionals on TV, they all hit bad shots too. We don't always see them. We might see some really bad ones that, that they want to show for ratings and that. But the majority of – of those pros out there are making mistakes too. The difference is what they do is, you know, they take note of that and they deal with it after the round. So, you know, it, and, you know, amateurs can do that as well. Make a note on your scorecard or on the back of the card or something and just say, okay, you know, hole number nine, I really, things fell apart. Here's some quick notes while you're, you know, your partner's taking a shot. Revisit that after the round or the next time you're at the practice tee. Those are some great things. So keep track of your statistics. You know, if you're, making a lot of putts or if you're, you know, not chipping very well, don't try to monkey around and fix it. Focus on the task at hand. Uh, don't try even in between shots to try and figure things out. Just work with what you've got that particular day 
and then make notes as you're going along and deal with those things the next time you're either with your coach or on your own in the practice tee. And I think you'll find yourself to be much more successful out there in the golf course. Um, Sue, I'm going to come back to you with tip number three, and that's thought control, managing your thoughts. Um, And if you think of yourself as you would in a play, you need to be the director of your own thoughts. So if you're like most golfers, you probably have, as we've been talking about here, uh, thousands of positive and even negative thoughts uh, going through your head during a typical round of golf. And uh, you may not always be able to control which thoughts come into your mind. However, uh, we can control what thoughts you buy into. So um, this is kind of, and again, I know it's very similar to what we've been talking about, but it's important to control your thoughts. I mean, what you say to yourself, uh, you're you're likely going to react. So if it's positive, great. You know, hey, I I just need to keep swinging the way I have, and, and that's fine. But if you start letting the negative thoughts come in, so, you know, self-talk is is very, very important. Maybe you could just touch on a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, as you say, what you focus on is what you get. <laughs> so if you focus on the negative, you're going to get more of the negative. If you focus on the positive, you're going to get more of the positive. Um, I do this crazy focus, um, uh, what I call the key on a string drill with a, a lot of my clients and show them that, what you focus on is, is what energy is what the energy you're creating. So, um, and with the key exercise, it just looks like a, um, I just put a, basically a clock piece, uh, I say, a clock that looks like a, basically a clock with no arms and there's just a dot in the middle of the clock. And then I just let them hang the string down in the middle of the dot. And then I tell them, I said, all I want you to think about is like, you know, 12 to 6, 12 to 6, 12 to 6. And before you know it, the club or the string, the key, is moving from 12 to 6. And then I say, okay, make it, and then just talk about or have them um, stop the key. And I said, just put it back on the dot, meaning, okay, focus on the dot. And then I tell them, I said, now I want you to focus on 9 to 3, 9 to 3, 9 to 3. And that focus, that energy actually comes out of your body, and what happens is the key is moving um, mm. in, in in the thought in the same thought process as you are. And it's the same thing when mm-hmm. you're standing over a golf shot. So that's one of the biggest lessons I always show people, and they freak out because they're like, how can I be doing this? And I'm like, focus is energy. So what you focus right. on is what you get. So you have to be careful on what you focus on. And um, that's what, you know, like if you want to, if you focus on missing the green, you're going to miss the green. If you focus on the green, you might have a better chance of hitting the green. Um, or same thing with the driver on, you know, on, on the fairway, um, or on the tee box, I should say. It's the same thing. So um, you focus on what you get, and you have to be very careful about what you focus on. And and that's it. When I um, when I teach my players, like you know, in the play boxes, and we, I just talk to them on the same thing. If you're in the play box, which means you're standing over the ball, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about your shot, or are you thinking about your mechanics? If you're thinking about mechanics, you need to step out of that box because you're not in the right side of the brain. The right side of the brain is the creative side. The left side of the brain is the analytical side. And you don't want to be analytical over standing over a golf shot. You want to be creative over the golf shot. So that's what I teach my players. And um, it's, it's like I said, when we use the K exercise, which kind of blows people away. <laughs> yeah, and, a lot, and I know there's a lot of truth to that because, you know, I know a lot of people that, that – um, really have studied and, and focused on, on, you know, how we think and, and what it, it, it can literally do. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, Pete, the other thing is, you know, we, we talk about, you know, as Sue said, you know, tell yourself that just because a thought comes through your mind doesn't necessarily mean it's true. So, um, and, and it is your choice whether you stay with this thought or not. So, in other words, let, let, letting go of self-defeating thoughts and choosing self-enhancing thoughts. It's that, you know, we often hear people talk about law of attraction. You know, if you're thinking negatively all the time, then you attract negative thoughts and you attract a negative outcome. And, you know, a lot of people might say, well, this is, you know, a little scientific and doesn't really apply to me here. I just want to get better on the golf course. But there is a lot of truth to that, what, what Sue was just talking about, because people, you know, if you watch the players, even the best players in the world, as I mentioned earlier, do struggle from time to time, just like we all do, maybe not to the same degree. And the ones that are able to focus their thoughts on, the, again, the ta- task at hand, as we talked about, and are able to manage their thoughts, like somebody like a Nicholas or a Tiger, they tend to do much better on the golf course than the ones that are sort of beating themselves up. And we've seen both examples, even on the PGA Tour. What are your thoughts here? Anything that you want to add to it? Yeah, I mean, you know, the negative thought process can be something that's very simple. I mean, you'll find a lot of the amateurs have said this, you know, if I three-putt the 18th, I got to buy lunch for the fifth Saturday in a row. I mean, you know, now you know you're going to three-putt. You may as well just pick it up and buy lunch. (laughs) I mean, those types of things, you know, as subtle as that is, that's the wrong side to think about. You know, you want to say, I'm going to just run this in there and let somebody else buy lunch. You know, so it's, it's, it's really important to keep yourself positive the whole time. Um, you always should be looking for, you know, the, the best part of your game, first of all, but also every hole that you're coming to, you want to try to, to, to fit yourself into the, the best frame of mind for how to play that hole the best. And I think, you know, that's where, where tournament players, you know, there's so much more prepared for the rounds that they play than the amateurs are. And, and it's really a shame because, you know, most of the amateurs play the same courses all the time, and they should be well prepared for what they're up against you know, more than anybody else, especially if you're you're a member of a club and you're playing all the time, but you know exactly what's out there. And so you need to keep yourself, you know, as positive as you can all the time. Um, But then, and I like what you said before, which a lot of of players don't do. I try to to make sure a lot of my players put time into the schedule so when they finish playing, they go to the range at least for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and work on a few things. Don't just go to the car and leave. Go to the range. And, you know, spend a few minutes, even if it's just putting or chipping or pitching, you know, take the time to, to work on something when you're done. And I think that in, in itself is going to help you with more positive thoughts down the way because then you'll be able to know that when you're, you know, you're finished up, you can spend a little time, you're, you're a little bit freer, you can fix things a little bit. You know, no tour player ever works on anything when they warm up. They always work on it when they finish. And, you know, right. I try to encourage people to go to the range after the rounds, not before because you're going to mm-hmm. see a lot more after the rounds because you can finally see what they're working on. But beforehand, they're just warming up. They're not worried about anything but just trying to get a feel for movement and figuring out which direction the ball's going. That's really all they're doing. So, yeah, I think yeah, it's exactly. really important to, to stay positive. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's a warm-up routine is, is essentially what they're doing before a round. They're not, they're not working on mechanics or, you know, nope. something that they're working with their swing coach. They're just warming up looking to see, okay, how do I feel today? You know, how's the body reacting today? You know, am I feeling a little bit lethargic? You know, is the ball doing what, uh, you know, what I want it to do? Or do I have to, you know, uh, adjust not how they swing the club, 
but make adjustments on the course. If I'm hitting a little bit more fade than I normally do, then I know I've got to aim appropriately. So they're, they're making very subtle adjustments, but not to, uh, you know, their swing or their overall movement. Uh, and in some cases, they're not even doing that. But you're exactly right. It is a great opportunity. And if you're somebody, you know, you've been out there, obviously, we, you know, we don't have the same stamina that some of these young guns on, on the PGA and LPGA Pro have. Um, and, and if you can't go, you know, immediately after the round when it's still fresh in your mind, that's why I said earlier, you know, make some notes. And then, you know, the first opportunity, it's better to do it right away, I agree, because then it's fresh in your mind and you can do the things that you need to do. Um, but, you know, go the next day, you know, spend 30 minutes, what have you. You don't have to spend a lot of time and look at those notes. Like, okay, here's some of the things I really struggled with. Don't do major swing changes and things like that. That's something you need to do with your professional. If you're really having some, you know, serious issues, that's the time that you do it is, is your next practice session with your coach. Um, if it's just some, some minor things, maybe you weren't chipping, you were duffing a few chips or you weren't hitting your wedges solid you know, you can try to work some of those things up or maybe you didn't get the speed right on your putts, go back to the course and, and work on some of those things in a practice session. Um, and, you know, always refer back, you know, if, if it's some of the same problems you've been having and you've been working with a coach, go back to some of the drills that he or she has given you uh, and refocus on that. And you'll find uh, you'll be much more successful um, in the long run if you just pay attention and make some, you know, some thoughts and, and, you know, with all the technology we've talked about this many times, with the technology out there and keeping stats and things like that, you need to review that on a regular basis. See how many putts you're making each round, how many greens and regulation you're making. And, and then when you get together with your coach, make sure you're putting together a game plan to work on some of those areas. And the, the key thing is, is it's great to practice, but it's even better to practice with purpose. Um, all right, I'm going to move on. That's enough of me talking. Uh, tip number four, Pete, we're going to go with you. And then again, Sue, if you want to uh, add on the end here, uh, anxiety management or removal of stress. So once you begin to recognize some of the troublesome thoughts uh, that had led you to worrying before and during your performances, it becomes easy to manage anxiety levels. So some effective techniques might involve, for example, some deep breathing exercises or visualizing uh, imagery. Uh, this can effectively help you to reduce your stress levels and produce a degree of calmness and focus. A relaxed mind and body results in a smooth, fluid, and effective stroke. So touch on this a little bit more. Again, you know, it all sort of culminates together with what we're talking about here. But this is something, anxiety, that a lot of people develop, especially, you know, they're excited about playing that round, Pete, and then all of a sudden the wheels fall off the bus and anxiety levels start to rise up because they don't know how to handle it. So what can somebody do? Um, obviously the deep breathing is one thing, but what are some things that people can do in real time on the golf course that you can think of without making major changes as we talked about that can help keep that stress down? What should they do? You know, that got anxiety answering this question. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I think, you know, for the most part, um, if, if they, when things start to go bad, you know, I, I think, just find, just find a place that, you know, whether it's the backside of the green or on the tee box, and, and just go stand there for about a minute and, and just just relax. Just just stand there, take some deep breaths. You know, don't worry about anything else. Don't have a club in your hand. Don't have a ball in your hand. Just go stand there and just take a minute. And, you know, all you have to do is say to yourself, you know what, I've been here before, and, and I know how to get out of this. So I just got to relax, take some time, you know, 
don't get too worked up over it. And then, you know, put some thoughts in, looking at the next shot and say, all right, I just want to hit a ball off this tee that I know I can put in place. So let me just take something that's got some loft on it and uh, let me hit a shot that goes out in the fairway and, you know, start to to soothe yourself back into the play um, by hitting some shots that you know you can hit. You know, and don't worry about trying to, to, you know, do anything else other than that. But I've always found it, you know, comforting for me, and and I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, unsocial, but when when things aren't going very well, I just go over, stand, take a deep breath, relax, take a minute, and uh, just collect my thoughts for a second and, uh, you know, look at what's coming up next. Try to go back through, like you said, okay, what shot am I going to have to hit next? And uh, make sure it's something you know you can do, and and that'll help calm you down a little bit and uh, take some of that stress out of there and um, get you prepared for the next one. So, um, you know, I've, I've always done a little bit of that. And my, my, my dad used to have a little routine that, that he and I would do as well to where when things weren't going well, we would stand on the back of the tee box and just stare at each other. And, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't take but 10 seconds and we start laughing, and all of a sudden there it goes. You know, everything's broken down. You know, we're both a little miffed at how that last hole went, and Dad said, all right, tee box, and I knew exactly what that meant. I had to go stand on the back of the box and stare at him. You know, we'd get about two feet apart and look right at each other, and, uh, you know, it was fun because you know, 10, 15 seconds, we start laughing, and then off we go. So, you know, just something crazy like that that's, that's kind of fun that you can do, and um, it just helps break you out of that little funk that you're in and, and get you started back and, and get you playing again. Uh, on the golf course, but you know, I've always said, you know, don't don't try to take it, you know, too serious. You know, and, and Sue will love this because you know I say when you get frustrated with golf, you ought to have all the knowledge we have and miss shots. That's frustrating, you know. Yeah. Um, so you know they don't <laughs> they can't get frustrated because they haven't done it as long as we have. They don't have the knowledge we have, so don't let that frustrate you. But understand where you are, <laughs> and you know, and just take just take something, just a little something, and only takes a minute you know, or 15, 20 seconds, and just do something that's going to pull you away from the situation you're in, let you collect your thoughts for a little bit, and then and off you go. Yeah, well said. And, and I think, Sue, really the, the key is to, um, as really what Pete's talking about, is to create a distraction, uh, even if it's momentarily just to distract yourself, not think about what's going on, don't think about the shot, don't think about you know, the round that you're playing and just find somewhere, you know, get into your own little little hole somewhere um, mentally while your your playing partners are, are putting out or whatever they're doing until it's your next shot. Um, but doing that, what about some things that I, I want to get you to talk on this? I mean, uh, Pete's covered a lot of stuff here, but um, what are some things that maybe golfers can do before they get to the golf course? Let's tackle it from that perspective uh, for your um, part of it. Um, what can you do or what are some things that you're doing in maybe some of your practice sessions to help people prepare um, to deal with this when they get out the round? Are there some things, is it, you know, putting them in pressure situations, you know, examples of pressure situations to get them used to mm-hmm. dealing with that? Is that something that we can do? Or uh, give me your thoughts here. What can we do pre-round to get them prepared so that when they get in the round and are faced with some of these situations that they're going to not be as um, anxiety-ridden or stress-ridden? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the the biggest issue with a lot of golfers is they don't practice the not so good shots. <laughs> so right. I like to I like to you know um, the pre round would be like let's go let's go over and you know hit some shots that aren't in, are aren't in such great lies number one 
um, and then, you know, evaluate and analyze those particular shots so that they know how to handle it when they get on the golf course. Um, and that's one of, I think that's one of the biggest issues is people like the, the pre-round, everybody goes and warms up, but they don't, they don't practice the difficult shots that they're going to find on right. the golf course, such as, a, such as a bad lie or maybe the ball's in the bunker or, or it might be buried in the bunker, that kind of thing. And I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, people struggle because they, get, they don't practice those situations. Therefore, they're not mentally prepared for those situations. So I think that's what's important is, is go in for the, in a pre-round and, and practice the not-so-good shots. And that's what I teach my players. And it's like, you're going to have the not-so-good shots. So how are you going to deal with it? And how are you going to deal with it, you know, in regards to mentally um, and, you know, physically in regards to what would you do with the shot if you had it? You know, if it was in the, you know, let's say it's in a divot in the middle of the fairway, even though you hit a perfect drive, you know, what are you going to do with that? Um, and I think those are situations that you have to talk to people, um, talk to people through, um, because they don't practice those things. And I think mm. if you if you pra- if you teach them to practice that, you also teach them how to mentally prepare for those type of shots. And um, you know, like I said this, um, before, it's like you never know what kind of a lie you're going to get when you go play golf. So it, let's go practice them all. And I think that's if you if you teach your players to um, to practice the not so good shots, they'll be able to handle handle it a little bit differently when they are out there on a golf course. You know, excuse me, that's a, a really great point, and I'm sure you can both relate to what I'm about to say. But you know, I watch. You know, a lot of times when I'm going, I'm just hitting balls up at the range myself, and I'll look around and I'll watch. And you know, I might see over the course of you know an hour or so, you know, a dozen or more people come up. And, you know, some of them, I get it, they're just getting ready to, to go out and play. And so they're not, as, you know, Pete and, and you have talked about earlier uh, tonight, that, you know, we're not getting into a full-blown practice session. But then I've seen other people mm-hmm. come up because I see their training aids and things like that. So I know they're there for a practice session. But what's always interesting is out of their 45-minute to an hour practice session, they're practicing off perfect lies. They're practicing, you know, off the tee box. Yep. Um, you know, the teeing area, or they'll get on hitting some putts and that. Maybe, you know, out of a dozen, I might see one person actually tackle some bunker shots or some chip shots. They're always, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on one or two areas. And you're exactly right. I'd like to see, you know, and I've watched some of these people, and they hit a great ball. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't need to spend 45 minutes, you know, pounding balls off the tee <laughs> if you're hitting it straight right. and long spend 10 or 15 minutes doing that, but let's spend the next 35 minutes working on areas of your game, as you just pointed out, um, you know, that you really do struggle with or shots that you're going to be faced with because you're not going to, you're, you've only got 18 perfect lies um, on the right. golf course, unless you're really lucky it rolls, you know, in a perfect area in the fairway, which doesn't happen very often in most courses. So you really have 18 right. tee shots that you've got a perfect, you know, if the course is being kept well. Um, and yeah. the rest of it, you know, you're, you're faced with a multitude of challenges. So it, it's almost mm-hmm. like people have a backwards approach to, um, how they teach or how they, um, prepare. How they practice. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. Go ahead. So yeah. I'll let you respond to that. And then Pete, uh, you know, if you want to add some, some thoughts in there as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's the issue with people is like when they go practice, like you said, 
if you go and watch people practice, they practice the perfect life. And I'm like, that's not golf. You know, you have, um, you might, you might, like I said before, you might hit a perfect drive down the middle of the fairway and the ball's in, a ball's in a divot. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle that? You know, versus like, okay, you know, cussing or whatever, <laughs> because you're upset that the ball rolled in the divot. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, those are the type of shots that you have to practice. So on, on, you know, that's what I, I teach my players. I'm like, okay, we're not going to practice perfect shots. We're going to practice a multiple, you know, uh, array of different shots because that's what happens when you get on the golf course. You never know what you're going to get. So, mm-hmm. so you know, let's be creative in our practice and, you know, let's be open to um, changing up the practice so that you're not like always, you know, okay, like you said, everybody's hitting per, off of perfect lies or, you know, off the tee. It doesn't happen that way. That isn't golf. Golf is, you know, you never know what you're going to get when you go when you go play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you have to um, be creative mm-hmm. in your practice, and you have to that way you're better prepared as well because you understand what you need to do when you get into different situations um, when you go play golf. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and you know, Pete, what's what's always fascinating to me is, you know, when you watch these same people. Um, you know, especially if you're taking somebody out for a playing lesson, and I'm not talking some of the better players, but, you know, some of the newer players, beginners, that sort of thing. And, you know, you've been watching them warm up, and they're doing just as we've talked about. And then they get out in the real – and they get faced with that first bad shot, and it, you could just see the panic coming over their face. It's like, going, well, I don't know what to do here. Um, mm-hmm. Is it a matter of training them to practice differently? Is that what we need to do? And, I, and I'm saying this legitimately from a – from a teaching professional standpoint, I mean, I've been in this business my 31st year uh, as a teaching professional as well, so I've been around the block a few times. Is it a matter of we need to refocus our efforts and teaching these people how to practice better? And I'm not saying we don't give them a lot of skills to work with, but maybe do we need to really start emphasizing this, hey, you know, it's great to hit those beautiful tee shots out there, Pete, but the truth of the matter is, you know, 85 90% of your game is not coming off a perfect lie. What, what do you think on that? Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, one of the fun things I like to do, especially with uh, some of my players, they'll come up to me when the, the grass tee has been beat up for the day, and they say, hey, there's there's no grass left. I said, well, deal with it. you got to figure out what to do. <laughs> the lies are terrible. Right. Yep. You don't get to no, – don't go move over there where the ropes aren't. You stay right here, and let's talk about how we okay. figure this out. How are we going to figure this out? The lies are crappy. Yeah, I got you. So when you get out on the golf course and you have one of these, now you're going to know how to deal with it. So I think you're absolutely right. right. I mean, I, I try to take them over and, and just put them my, – my juniors love it. I have a junior training program I do in the first half hour is I take them over in the short game area and put them in the most awful places you've ever seen and say, all right, what are you going to do? How are we going to get out of this? And they, you know, at first they were kind of frustrated with it, but now every time they show up, they're like, where are we going today? I said, ah, just wait and see. I mean, we'll get over there. And then sometimes they'll put them in, you know – a lie that's, you know, you should use a lob wedge to get out of. And I said, we've got to use a five iron. What do you mean? Figure it out. How are you going to get this ball out of here? You turn that five iron into a sand iron. So, you know, that's the thing that I think you're absolutely right. You've got to train the players to play out of those difficult situations. And I think part of your practice should be, you know, you go up. If you're going to work on swing mechanics, that's one thing. If you're working on pure right. swing mechanics, then I think you can have perfect lies, and you should have a lie that's pretty good because you're just working on movements. Right. But if you're working on playing, 
But now you got to do uneven lines. You got to do it out of the rough, out of divots. You got to go over there, you know, out of the bunker, one buried, not buried. You know, you got to put yourself in some crazy situations and, uh, you know, figure out how to get out of those. And I think the more people that practice those, um, you know, again, you talked about anxiety before, that totally helps with it because now they know how to get out of it. You know, so I think that's a great yeah. way to do that. Yeah. You know, um, my father used to, you know, he was the one that originally taught me this game. And he was a member at, at uh, a club, and, and they had uh, a par three or executive course there as well. And so that's where he sort of got me started. And they had the regular range, but the par three had a, a special little spot where basically it was a net. And there was only room for one person. It was just sort of a warm-up. And he would take me there, and I would sort of warm up before we would play this little par three uh, course. And it was nine holes. But what was interesting about it is because it wasn't part of the regular range, they really didn't maintain it as well. So there was this one section that was always there. It never changed. And unless it had rained, it was like hard pan. It was like hard dirt that had been packed and packed and packed. And he would put every single ball on that hard pan and make me hit into that net because he said the very same things we're talking about. He said that you would never get a perfect lie. Now, you're obviously not going to have that same lie every time either. But the, the, the idea was he wanted to teach me to be hitting off a perfect lie all the time. And, you know, it stuck with me. And so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll go up when I'm just doing my own little practice session is, yeah, I'll hit off of some perfect lies too. But I'll roll that ball into, you know, some old divots. Uh, that have dried up and whatnot, and I will hit some shots out of that. And, yeah, sometimes they go a little funky and they don't always go the way they should, but it's good practice. And I think, you know, what we're talking about here is really two things. As you pointed out, Pete, if you're working on swing theory, if there's certain things that your coach has has got you um, working on and, and making sure you're getting into the right positions and so forth, that's a whole different kettle of fish. But if you're trying to improve your play on the golf course, uh, your, you know, your tempo and your timing and things like that. That's something you do um, with with him or her at, at the practice tee uh, when you're working on swing mechanics. But when you're learning to play or trying to improve play, then you have to look at all facets of play, rough, bunkers, you know, whatever, um, in order to be a, become a better player. And that's really what you're trying to do ultimately. Once you learn the mechanics and once you understand the golf swing, it's now becoming a a, a, a focus on okay, how do I become a, a better player? I can hit the ball pretty good. You know, I'm making some good solid contact. I'm putting pretty good. Now how do I put all these components together to be a better player um, so I can shoot lower scores and become a better golfer overall? So really in closing, I think it's important for us to equip ourselves and meaning the students out there with strategies and tips, regain that sort of calm, clear mind during your round, uh, first and foremost. And this is really required if you want to be, you know, improve your peak performance, especially in critical moments during whether it's a tournament you're playing in uh, or just, you know, with your weekend buddies. Um, so having a, a selection of optimal mindset tools and strategies at your d- disposal is going to help prepare and arm you to face the various challenges that you will come across during a round of golf. And I think that really kind of sums up what we've been talking about, not just tonight, but in the last couple of weeks uh, in Coach's Corner with the various different aspects of the game. I'm going to give each of you some uh, an opportunity for final thoughts, and then um, I'll come back, and I've got one more thing I want you guys to do 
and uh, and then we'll wrap up. So, uh, Pete, any final thoughts on what we talked about tonight that you want to sort of put a period on or an exclamation point? Well, yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, you know, I think what they can take away from this is it's not only just about playing golf. It's, it's, it's how you prepare yourself to play and how you prepare yourself to practice. And I think those have to be sort of one and the same. So you should practice like you play and, um, you know, prepare yourself for each shot that you're going to hit, visualize what you're trying to do. And I think if you can, you know, get yourself into better routines when you practice, it's only going to make it easier for you when you play. So I think it's, you know, they go hand in hand with uh, each one, practicing and playing. And then, like you said, put yourself in some different situations when you practice, which will help you on the golf course. Well said. Um, See, what about you? Um, Some final thoughts on here as we get ready to wrap up tonight's Coach's Corner segment. Um, what yeah, what should think, we be doing? Yeah. Focusing on some of the points that we talked about tonight. Any final closing thoughts? Yeah, I think like like you just you just all said. I think it's uh, practice the imperfect shots, and you'll be a better player because you'll be smarter, you'll be more prepared, um, and you'll trust yourself because you've already kind of been through it. And a lot of people don't practice imperfect shots. And um, I think that's what we need to teach all of our golfers to do in in the sense that um, get them out there to practice the not-so-good lies um, so that they can create um, a sense of, okay, accomplishment, okay, what do I need to do? And they can have a – they'll be better prepared for like when they get out there on the golf course and all of a sudden I have a bad lie, okay, what do I do with it? Because most – most players don't know what to do with it. I mean, besides some players, they'll just move it out of the bad lie. <laughs> but, um, and we don't want that to happen because that's illegal. So um, mm-hmm. that's what I would say. I would say is, you know, the just keep working on the imperfection um, of the lies because you'll be better prepared once you get out there and you play. And that way you'll be a smarter golfer too because that's one of the reasons why – you know, people don't, they don't, they just don't prepare. A lot of them will go and like we just all talked about, they'll go and hit really good shots on the driving range and, and expect, you know, high have a high expectations to go play. And then they get in situations where they're not prepared for and they don't know what to do with it. And I think that's, um, that's where we, we, we as golf professionals need to, need to do a better job of educating our, our golfers um, in order to, um, teach them how to be better prepared when they go play golf. Well said. And, and just finally, I'll, I just want to add the other component is, and this is something we touched on a little bit tonight, but certainly in, in uh, last week and, and, and so forth, we really got into sort of the uh, golfing mindset and the emotions of the game. So the other thing is it, it's important to not just on the physical parts of your game, but you need to manage your thoughts as, as I you know, talked about earlier, you need to be the director of your own thoughts and you need to control what thought, what, you know, what, what's coming into your mind as you're playing, if it's all negative all the time, the results are going to be negative. Um, certainly it's okay if you have a bad shot, that negative thought's going to get in there momentarily, but don't let it, you know, like a blender circulate around in your brain for the next, uh, you know, three and a half hours uh, or whatever the case may be. 
you know, deal with it, you know, expel some emotion that's okay to, you know, say, darn, you know, whatever. You can even, you know, I'm not suggesting you do it, but if you got to let a quietly an expletive fly out of your mouth, if that's what you want to do, uh, you know, that's fine. Just be conscious of people around you. Um, but, you know, do what you have to do within reason uh, because even the professionals do that. But you have to be able to control your thoughts because you can be a phenomenal, and we've seen this, we can all attest this over the years, we've seen some phenomenal ball strikers on tour, um, whether it be male or female's tours. And, you know, they'll just fall apart. And it's not because their game, suddenly they don't know how to hit the golf ball. It's because they've allowed their emotions or their thought process has changed from earlier in the round, and now they're they're dealing with stress, anxiety has creeped up, and now they're they're struggling with um, what to do, how to get back to it. And the ones that are really, as I mentioned earlier, people like Jack Nicholas and, and of course Tiger Woods, and there's certainly many others out there, they're very very strong in this area. Um, they don't always hit perfect shots, but they know how to control their thoughts um, when they're on the golf course, and they know how to recover very very well. And when you sort of master that part of your game, you're going to become not just a better ball striker, but actually a better player out in the golf course. And that's really what we all want to strive for. So uh, great discussion tonight, guys. I think uh, we did a good job in in getting that out there. And uh, hopefully those listening to the show will will take heed and, and again, focus, uh, practice with purpose. Don't just go out there and hit balls. And if you need some direction, then get together with your your instructor and say, let's put a, a practice regime, if you will, together. Uh, and uh, and also focus on your thoughts. Do some some different deep breathing, you know, techniques to relax and calm your nerves. And there's a lot of great things that you can do. Um, and do a little research and get out there and just uh, make it a better uh, experience for for you and and your playing partner who will appreciate it. I'm sure as well. Um, as always, I give you guys an opportunity in closing just to share with the the folks uh, the best way to reach out. And if there's any special things that you want to plug, uh, now's the time to do it. So. Uh, I'll do it in the order again. Pete, if you want to go ahead, and then Sue. Hey, thanks again, Ted. Sue, it was great being on with you tonight. Uh, they can reach me at uh, PeteBuchanan.golf.com or uh, stlouisgolflessons.com. Um, we've got uh, – we're, we're going to be doing some some different types of, um, what I would say, um, question and answer things that we're going to be putting on video this year. So. Um, when you get out to the site, pay attention because we're going to be posting some of those things. I think they're going to be pretty informative. We're doing a lot of studying on, you know, why people struggle to play and, and practice and getting better routines. And we're going to start having question and answers and, and you know, get in front of people and video and show them what, what they need to do. And, and uh, I think you'll find that interesting. So, you know, be searching for it. I appreciate it. And thank you, as always, Pete, for uh, your great input into the show. It's uh, very much appreciated. Um, Sue, go ahead. Best way to reach you, and if there's anything that you want to plug uh, at this time or, or mention to, uh, to the listeners, uh, please do so. Uh, yeah, you can reach me at Sue Eager Golf Academy, um, and my number one best-selling book, Golf the Last Six Inches, is on Amazon. Um, and um, or you can call me at 480-392-6563. That's my cell number. And um, thanks for having me, Ted. It was been uh, it's been great and um, Enjoy the conversations with the both of you. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you as well for your input. And uh, just uh, on sort of a side note uh, uh, for the listeners, I just want, and both of you can attest to this, you know, we've been, as we talked about off air, we've been doing, uh, I've been doing the show now for 11 years, and I believe it's been eight years that Coach's Corner has been part of this uh, on the front end of the shows. 
And I just want the, the people to really appreciate and realize from your standpoint, um, you know, I put the Coach's Corner uh, segment, I put the questions together and, and some comments and thoughts and things like that. But just so that people fully understand, appreciate this, you guys do not get the heads up before you come on the show. So you're doing this everything from, as we say, scratch. Um, and you always do a phenomenal job. So this should really amplify to the listeners out there just how professional all of these folks are that are coming on the show because they do not get a heads up. They don't get any notes. They don't get anything. Um, I have everything right here um, to ask them. So um, they're doing a great job, and that's not always easy to do, trust me, um, to come like that. Uh, so they don't get any, any sort of pre-preparing uh, coming on, on the show. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it's, uh, well, it, it makes it, it yeah, it, it makes it fun. And, you know, it obviously is a testament to um, the experience that, that, you know, we have with, with you guys tonight and many of the others that, that join on the panel each week. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we obviously, you know, with repetition of doing this type of format, you, you, you get a sort of a sixth sense, if you will. And, and, but, again, it goes back to the experience that you guys, again, well, you know, over, uh, you know, 25 to 30 years plus for both of you. Uh, you know, and, and pretty much most of the people on, on the panel are in that same category. So you've, you know, well, um, you know, rehearsed in, in the understanding of the game and, and how to put the pieces together. So, but I just wanted to put that out there because I don't think I've really ever said that. And so for the listeners out there, uh, you need to pay extra special attention and really appreciate the people that come on the panel discussions here on Coach's Corner. They're not getting the heads up. So they're coming here um, really um, not prepared um, to know what's, what the topic's going to be that particular night. So um, applause, if you will, to both of you for doing a fantastic <laughs> job always when you bring in your best. So thank you guys both. And uh, on that note, I'm going to let you go and enjoy your evening. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you both the next time uh, that you're on schedule uh, for Coach's Corner. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Thanks Ted. Ted. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that was Pete Buchanan and Sue Weger on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, he should be joining me any moment, but uh, tonight's special guest, Joshua Jacobs, the CEO of College Golf Experience, will be joining me here momentarily. But in the meantime, here's a quick message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back to Golf Talk Live. And uh, thank you for joining me. We just uh, wrapped up the Coach's Corner segment. And I'm just waiting for my special guest this evening, uh, Joshua Jacobs, to join me. He should be here momentarily. Uh, But in the meantime, let me just remind everybody um, that um, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And the best way to reach me 
<clears throat> excuse me, is go to blog talk rate, sorry, blog talk radio.com forward slash golf talk live. And, uh, you can see, you can hear, uh, the show live every Thursday evening, again, from six to eight central, or you can scroll down, um, on off nights and you can see the on demand section, which is the previously aired shows. Uh, the recordings will be there, including tonight's. So it'll be there shortly after the broadcast ends, which will be in about another hour. And uh, you can listen to them at your leisure. So uh, hopefully you'll you'll do that. And if you've missed it, and this is really the, this season here, um, as I mentioned earlier, when we started on Coach's Corner this year, uh, started sort of a three-part series talking about the physical parts of the game. And then last week we had the uh, sort of the golfing mindset and emotion part of the game. And then tonight we sort of did a wrap-up with some specific tips that you can do to help make your golfing experience a little bit better. All right, I see my guest is ready, so let me just tell you a little bit about him, and then we'll uh, get uh, into tonight's discussion. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, he's actually been on the show a number of times. Uh, I haven't uh, taken official count, but we'll have to do that at some point. Uh, my special guest this evening is Joshua Jacobs. He's the CEO of College Golf Experience, uh, but he also played collegiate golf and club tennis at Emory University. And he founded the TGA Premier Junior Golf in 2003. In 2007, uh, TGA franchised its junior golf concept and was the first junior golf pro- program to add STEM components. In 2010, he was named by Golf Magazine and Sports Illustrated as one of the top 40 most influential people in golf under 40. And he created the TGA Sports Foundation dedicated to developing youth through athletics. And uh, he also, in 2012, he orchestrated a national partnership with the tennis association and here in the u.s which is the usta and franchised tga's second concept tennis so uh he's also uh part of several committees we'll talk about a few of those a little bit later but please uh welcome back should i say my very special guest the ceo of college golf experience mr joshua jacobs good evening joshua <laughs> hi Ted. how are you I'm I'm doing very well. I'm going to have to edit that down. I think you got too many accolades here. I think I'm going to have to edit you down a little bit and just say, "Hey, Josh, come on." Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not really sure what to say. It sounds like a lot, but uh, I'm not really sure that it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a chance. Um, we had actually met in person a few years ago at the PGA show at the, um, a party, if you will, and we saw each other again this year at another party. Um, uh, for the second time, but you've been on a guest, and I'm I'm trying to go from memory because you you've come on almost every year, um, not since the beginning, but I've this is my 11th season, of course. I think I mentioned to you uh, at the PGA show this year, but I think you've been on at least five seasons, if not more. Um, and here you are again. Obviously, we've been talking about some different things in the past than what we're going to talk about tonight, but yeah, so you've been uh, a, a pretty regular guest, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, no, of, of course, it's always good to, to talk to you and, and, you know, spell some knowledge out there for, for people in the golf industry. I, I, you know, junior golf isn't always, uh, isn't always on the forefront of people's minds, but uh, it certainly is, it certainly is a, a large pathway to, to the industry, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and, and I applaud you. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I, I you know, read out a few uh, of your accolades, and there's a, a whole laundry list more uh, that we could go through, but I just wanted to hit some of the, the more recent and, and some of the high points. But, you know, you have really, and I've said this to you before on the show, really have taken a position. You know, we, we both love the game. We want to see it grow. We love watching the tour players. I mean, who doesn't enjoy watching professional golf? 
but it starts somewhere. And you really took a position um, in your career to say, you know what, I want to hit them at a much earlier age. I want to get them excited about playing. But at the same time, you developed a concept with your previous uh, venture, for lack of better words, where you really integrated into the school system and getting them at a, an earlier age. Um, and I know we're going to talk about this, you know, collegiately right now, but maybe if you could just touch on that. Why, why did you decide to go that route as opposed to maybe something else? Uh, you're referring to the, uh, the TGA, the premier golf, uh, yes. the premier yes. golf realm. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just saw an opportunity. Um, I, I mean, this was, keep in mind, this was back in 2003. So, so 20 years ago. Um, wow. I just saw a, a need for the golf industry to be able to attract in a, in a very accessible way new players to, to the game at a young age and instill that, that love into it. And, you know, TGA, you know, it continues to thrive today. But, you know, a lot of resources I see in the industry um, continue, especially in junior golf, continue to be pushed out to more of the competitive players for, for obviously for very right. good reason. Um, but sure. there's, there's an equal opportunity there for, you know, for, for, for people to get involved with companies that, that are putting clubs in these kids for the first time, uh, not necessarily at a golf course, you know, back in 2003, when we started, um, when TGA started, uh, it was, it was almost taboo to, to teach golf outside of green grass prove that there was an opportunity to to dispel that and to to bring it to schools, churches, temples, community centers, parks and rec, and anywhere both indoors and out that you could could have a space to play. Um, we created mm-hmm. a curriculum for it, and so and so it, it wasn't that difficult to get people to teach the classes, but to create the model and to scale the model that was a little bit more difficult. I mean, we got to we got to a million kids. Um, you know, after, after about 16 years and, and there still continues to be opportunities for that in the golf industry, because it's like I said earlier on, it's, it's the pathway to, to everything else in the industry and, and Mm -hmm. instilling that love, that passion, that feeling of success and making it accessible um, and available like all the other sports are, that's going to be a key driver to, to golf in the future. Obviously, we know what happened during the pandemic. We know we know why golf thrived during the pandemic. I mean, it, we all know it's starting right. to come back a little bit. You know, we, we, we can also laugh at the term rollback right now based on yesterday. But uh, it is right. starting to roll back. Uh, it is starting to roll back a little bit. Um, but overall, golf is in amazing shape uh, compared to where mm-hmm. it was, you know, four years ago. Yeah, and, and that was to be expected. I think the industry anticipated that there would be some rollback. But what was really interesting was that there were a lot of new people that had never played the game before that maybe didn't really have a desire or were never introduced at an early age, whether it be through family or in a case of what you did with TGA. Um, you know, and I, I hate to use the term that we're forced to, but really there wasn't. It was either that or Netflix. So they said, you know, hey, why not? Let's give golf a try. So um, you know, there's only so much video you can watch. Um, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, they I decided, mean, now, hey, now I'm, at, sorry, go ahead. Now, now look at everything that's out there in the marketplace, right? You've got Top Golf, obviously that's thrived under, you know, before and after the Callaway acquisition. You know, you're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, Tiger's Pop Stroke, 
You know, there's just all kinds of things that are popping up outside of green grass to attract uh, the general population to, to golf. And it's, it's, it's really fascinating where the industry is headed. Yeah, it's become a very entertainment se- segment as well, not just from the professional level. I mean, obviously that's entertaining to watch the best players uh, compete. But now it's, it's an enter- there's entertainment value through, again, Top Golf and, and what Tiger's doing and others. Um, so it, it is very interesting to see. And that, it, that as well has also driven a lot of the industry uh, growth over these last few years. And, and you know, as difficult and, and as much of a struggle it was um, from a human standpoint, you know, as we, you know, muscled through this pandemic, uh, there were fortunately some positives that came out of it, particularly for the golf industry. I mean, I don't think any other industry really – you know, uh, saw the growth as much as golf did, and for obvious reasons, it's an outdoor sport uh, for the most part. Yeah, but, I mean, golf um, is, so golf and tennis thrived. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it was, you know, everybody said well, it was on the decline. It wasn't really so much on the decline. It's just you you have an old, you know, an older population, and you know, some of those players, but many of those even came back, and they said, you know what, hey, I'm going to give it a resurgence, and you know, I, I've, you know, with as you know, I've got Golf Tips magazine now, and we have some some old guys there that uh, subscribed to the magazine and they said, you know what, I'm going to come back and play now. This is a great opportunity for to pick up the game. I gave it up for a few years, but now I'm, I'm excited. I'm, you know, my grandkids are coming out now. And so there, there's a, a revitalization. So I want to move on now. We're going to talk to, you know, really why you're here tonight. And, you know, after, you know, TGA, which you did a phenomenal job, we've talked about it many, many times on the show here, you pivoted and really developed this new venture um, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about when you started this, uh, and we're talking about the college golf experience, your, your new venture, if you will, um, why that decision was made, when it started, and really what was your vision um, or mission, if you will, uh, for this particular venture. Yeah, CGX, uh, college golf experience, if you will, um, we, we started in July of 2021, and, you know, after I, I – kind of left the TGA world, I, I saw that there was kind of a lack of education for juniors and parents um, in regards to what college golf was all about and, and, and the recruiting process, the, the pathway to get there. Um, right. and, and I looked around at all the other sports, and I saw these showcase camps, ID camps, um, you know, various forms of, of camps out there, and, and they accounted for, you know, 20 to 30 percent of the pathway to playing college sports, but it really didn't exist in golf. You know, the, 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 the only pathway to college golf or the only way that, that players and parents saw, you know, junior golfers and their parents saw in regards to how do I get to play college golf, and, and that was through tournaments. And so I saw an opportunity to create an initiative where, where we really create environments for coaches to engage and bestow knowledge um, upon juniors and parents and, and give them a chance to experience college golf and, and to help prepare them, um, as well as give these, these players a chance to showcase their, their talents and, and learn from, from college coaches. Um, our camps right. are, are they're, they're executed by, by college coaches. Um, and, and, you know, with the growth of junior golf in the past five years, there's going to be more junior golfers than ever who are going to be looking to play college golf. And there's only a, there's only a finite number of spots. 
we're, mm. we're starting to see coaches base their decisions more off of more than just scores. And so these, these experiences with the college coaches getting paired with players and, and, and they're, they're going to become even more prevalent to, to that pathway. Yeah, let me just add point here because um, you, you sort of brought it up, and, and, and this might be, you know, a little old news, so I think yours might be more up to date. But, you know, over the last few years, three or four years, the number of junior golfers has risen uh, roughly about 25% to over 3 million, and that's according to the National Golf Foundation. So the growth includes uh, an increase certainly in the number of competitive playing junior golfers, which, of course, leads to an unprecedented competition for college golf, uh, golf scholarships, which you just mentioned. Um, so, uh, you know, and the recruiting among, uh, you know, the coaches, the golf coaches and that. So, and, and it's really what you're doing is, is helping to fill a void because I know from many other guests that have been on the show that are in the teaching side of golf that work with juniors and work with, with collegiate players, that that's one of the struggles that a lot of parents, they don't know what to do. So obviously you've taken note of that, you know, substantial growth. And as you said, there's very limited, uh, certainly right now, uh, accessibility through scholarships, so it's highly competitive, more so in the in the men's uh, or the boys side of it. But it's also becoming very highly competitive now in the girls, uh, as more and more of them, uh, you know, take up golf and 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 want that same experience. So maybe you could just expand a little bit on that uh, and and how that ties together with what you're doing. Yeah, sure. I, I the, the depth in 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 junior golf right now is is getting greater and greater. Um, the boys side. <laughs> is incredibly deep the girls side is is picking up significant steam there as well and 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 i think within the next three to five years we're going to see both sides become um you know have even more depth uh Mm -hmm. you know if you think about it from a coach's perspective right you're 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 taking into account um not only tournament scores but you're taking into account the personality of that player Do, do they fit the culture of um, of, of what the coach is, is looking for, the coach's personality of that program, of that school. And, and that's the way it's kind of been in the past. And there's an opportunity for us to create education opportunities because when it comes down to it, CGX is an education company. And, and through these right. unique events, we're, just, we're educating junior golfers on their parents on all things college golf by connecting them to college coaches through these transformational experiences. That's the bottom line. But the opportunity for, for coaches then to, to be able to process who these players are, how they treat their parents, what they're looking for in a school, what's their personality. Do they want to be in the van with them and traveling with them for, for weeks at a time? Do they fit that culture? And now through these experiences, it, it gives both sides the opportunity to gain that education above and beyond where it was before. And and if you think about it with the growth in junior golf, you know, right now I would say I, I, you're kind of looking at for every spot, there's kind of three to four juniors to fill in terms of tournament averages, et cetera. But when it comes down to it with the growth of junior golf and the depth at the on the boys and the girls side, those numbers could end up being five to seven, six to eight for every spot in college golf. And so how do you differentiate if you're a coach, if, if the players that you're looking at are all within, let's just say, half a shot in terms of tournament averages and they each have X number of wins, 
how are you determining who you want to represent your, your program in your school? And I think a lot of that is going to come down to the relationship that they have with each other. And, mm-hmm. and we're going to provide that opportunity uh, not only for education, but for, for that connection. Yeah, and you had to really look at this when, when you were piecing this all together. You, couldn't, you weren't just looking at it from the student side uh, or from the college golfer's side. You had to look at it from the coach's side as well, like as you just pointed out, what they're looking for, what factors are they considering when because, when, again, the pool that they're pulling from, a potential pool, has grown so large over the last few years um, that it's becoming more and more of a challenge. So how are you – give us kind of an idea of specifically what you're doing because uh, you, and I'm going to read this out here real quick, and then and then I'll get you to respond. So just as an example of what we're talking about here, um, you know, at the end of 2022, you've uh, featured multiple college coaches from regions and uh, you know, or specific conferences. Um, you have worked with over 100 coaches and anticipates working with over 325 coaches in you know everything from Division One, Two, Three, and NAIA, and across <clears throat> excuse me, you know, 75 to 100 camps. Uh, you know, involving anywhere from 25 to 30 states just in 2023. So that's a big uptick uh, in, in what, you know, from when you started. So give us a perspective how you're helping the coaches and obviously a little bit more detail of what you're doing. How are you bringing the two together? Give us some specific uh, examples of what's happening at the camp. How are you helping the coaches um, better make their decisions? And how are you helping to provide better access from the student's perspective. Okay, so that's, that's definitely a lot to cover. So let me uh, <laughs> I know. do my best. And if, I, if, if, I, yeah. if I miss anything, please uh, let me know. So um, yeah, in I, regards to helping the coaches, I, I think that being able to, you know, connect with players, whether or not they're going to play for that coach, is is vital to a junior's development because they they can have these coaches as part of their guidance and their pathway to college golf and helping them find their fit. Um, yet most college coaches do not make a, a lot of money, and the, right. these camps give them an opportunity to generate some additional some additional revenue for themselves and their families while mm-hmm. bestowing that that knowledge it's funny i was talking to um to a friend of mine just yesterday who who was in who who was being recruited for baseball this is back in the day and even back in the day they had these baseball showcase camps and he said yeah i went to a i went to a showcase camp once and and you know i i took six ground balls i i ran the bases i did a couple sprints and hit hit, you know hit 10 times had had 10 swings that saw 10 pitches and that was my day and and they, they aren't cheap and because you really are getting access to, to, to that pathway, you're getting access to that feedback. And so for us, those, those coaches, um, you know, they're getting a chance to earn revenue. They're getting a chance to bestow knowledge. They're getting a chance to um, evaluate talent. And, and like I said, even if they're not going to play for them, it's, it's a great opportunity. But for us, education is number one. And when you talk right. about these camp examples, you know, we, we host education seminars, I would say, for our camps. And I apologize for being long-winded. 40% nope. of the camp is education. 50% is course um, experience uh, with college coaches. And 10% mm-hmm. is skills 
skill development, skill challenges as it relates to college golf activity. So these, these coaches are not teaching swing playing. They are not replacing PGA or LPGA professionals. They're doing drills that they that they would do in, in college. And the seminars right. that we talked about, you know, life of a college golfer, um, you know, how and when to contact college coaches, what's the difference between junior and, and college golf, what, what's, what are the important days to know in regards to the recruiting process, what tournaments should you be playing in, um, those are those are pretty standard, but what we do from, from the two big things I think that, that we do is give them this college golf experience. I hate to be cliche in what our name is, but but right. I, I can tell you that, that some of the experiences that you, these juniors get at our camps, or all of them do, um, is the ability to engage with coaches on, on a golf course and work on course management and strategy. And that is not typical in obviously in in junior golf so Mm -hmm. the ability to have you know that coach there and and helping you learn how to play the golf course which college coaches will tell you that that's the number one uh complaint that they have about junior golfers games is that they they need to work on course management and strategy more often and and they need to be better at it so we give that chance to break it down but i go back to education and you wanted examples of you know, how it helped coaches, and I talked a little bit about that. The parents are equally as, as impacted. I mean, I, I, can, right. I can tell you that I, I've legitimately seen at four of our camps parents cry. And I go back mm-hmm. to my TGA junior golf days where I think some kid got hit, some kid got hurt because, you know, they were younger back at TGA, and obviously these kids are, <laughs> right. uh, you know, the junior golfers that, that we cater to in these camps are, are competitive golfers. And and I said, hey, why, why? I always ask, hey, why are you crying? And and they say because we are getting a ton of information that we never knew, and we can now help guide our junior golfer on that path to playing college golf because we didn't know where to start. My my didn't know where to start, and for us, giving them that opportunity of of knowledge and education that is is the number one priority, whether it's junior golfers and parents getting that or whether it's college coaches getting that education on the player. Yeah, and, and, and you know, really it, it's a multifaceted approach because, again, it's not just about the, the, the college golfer. Obviously, that's the end game is to, to help them uh, have a better, better experience. Obviously, it's there to help the coaches, but you're exactly right. I remember doing a show a few years ago, um, a little more scaled down than what we're talking about here tonight, and we actually had some parents that came on of, kids that were in that, you know, age range and said, you know, one of the, the biggest frustrations that they had is they didn't know where to start. They didn't know what to do. I mean, it's not just simple of dialing up the, you know, the number to the college and saying, okay, you know, let me speak to the, to the, you know, the golf coach there. It's not as simple as that. There's a process that has to happen and they don't know where to start. So, you know, I'm really, you know, I guess for lack of better words, jazzed up about what you're doing because it is a huge void in this area that has been in golf. And you're, again, just like you did with TGA, you've really stepped up and found an area of the game that has for a very long time. And there's a lot of parents. I I have no doubt that, you know, parents have approached you in tears and that because, again, like any parent, they want their children uh, to provide the best opportunities for them. Um, but they're stymied because things change so much and there's a process that has to happen. 
and they don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, unless they have somebody that's in sort of inside that can guide them, you know, they don't know where to go. So you're really providing, a, a, you know, a very valuable opportunity uh, for really all three components, the coach, the, the student, and the parent as well. And I think that's pretty yeah, much I think, um, what your thought was, right? Yeah, I think from a just we're providing a platform for for connection and, and education. And, you know, college coaches by nature are educators. I mean, all of these competitive junior golfers, I, I would say the majority of them that, that play college golf, they have their own swing coach. You know, some of them have mental coaches you know, strength and conditioning coaches, et cetera. And college coaches by nature are educators. And so what better way to empower them than to get them in front of college coaches, provide a platform to get them in front of junior golfers to be able to bestow that knowledge that that they know. And it it really is a wonderful combination. You're you're 100% correct in – in, in the, you know, if you look at the triangle, right, the parents, the players, and the coaches, every single one of those of those sides fit perfectly in terms of, of these camps. And that's when they become invaluable to everyone involved. And tournaments are an absolute necessity um, to, to the junior golfers' development, to ranking, to, college, you know, to playing college golf, all that stuff. Um, but parents aren't really involved in tournaments. I mean, yes, they're they're there, but they're not really engaged in those tournaments other than from from the score standpoint and, and taking care of the junior golfer. In this case, they kind of get to get off the sideline and get into the game, so to speak. So right. it's 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 a wonderful opportunity for them to partake in with their with with their player. Yeah, and and, and it's important because you know it's not just about you know, them shuffling them off to to the next, you know, level of education. They want to have an active role. And there is certain things that they can do, uh, you know, obviously first and foremost is be supportive and, and, and encouraging and, and so forth. Uh, but, you know, the kids, um, you know, are a little nervous too. I mean, obviously they've been playing junior golf and they understand the game. And, and as you said, they have other coaches and, and things that, that help them in, in certain areas and aspects. But you know, most of them are looking to their parents for certain guidance of things. And it brings me to this question here. So how do we start the process? What's the process? Um, and I'm wondering if there's a somewhat of a vetting process as well, because obviously, you know, everybody thinks their, their kid, uh, you know, is, is going to be the next, you know, PJ or LPJ star. Um, you know, how do you decide? Is there maybe vetting is not the right word, is there a process that you have from the get-go when somebody approaches you and says, hey, you know what, we've been reading about, uh, you know, college golf experience or CGX for short, um, and we're interested in that. Do you go through a process, and when I say vetting, to make sure that, you know, this is going to be something that the coaches are going to be excited about? I mean, if the guy comes up and he's, you know, not breaking 100 or or doesn't have any, you know, skill set, is there a prerequisite to, to this approach or or give us an idea of how things start, how the ball starts rolling. So, so no, there there is no prerequisite by NCAA rule. Um, we are not allowed to limit um, viability whatsoever. Um, okay. So we we've seen all, uh, you know, every level of junior golf at our camps. I would say that ninety five percent of them are competitive players. 
but that does not prohibit sure. um, others from partaking in the experience. Uh, we've we've had players, uh, top 100 ranked players in their class in our in our camps, all the way down to, like you mentioned, kids who can't break 100. But but what we're providing, um, I wouldn't call it a dream, but what we're providing is is an opportunity to see where junior golf can take you. That's of course, right. you know, the competitive golfers know that, but. For the, for the parents who really want their kids to get into to competitive junior golf, and some start very early and some, some start late. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen 15-year-olds shoot 64 in our camps and say they've been playing for three years. So it's, it's, all, it's, it's all kind of walks of life and ability in junior golf, and we've had kids that are as young as nine and, and even, mm-hmm. even kids in, in junior college who have art- attended our camps. So – um, we're not able to limit by any means, and we, we, we don't because the experience that, that it can provide is, is, is one, these college coaches inspire, and it gives them a chance to bestow, as I mentioned, bestow their knowledge on, on college golf, and they are also there to educate and, and instruct, and it gives them even a greater platform sometimes for the kids who who need to be shown what that pathway is to college golf rather than the ones who are, you know, active competitive golfers. So it, it really runs the gamut. I want to read out um, just a couple of quotes from, uh, you've got a number obviously from parents, players, and coaches. And I want to read out a couple stuck out to me and I want to read them out and then get your response to it. This was a recent attendee. His name is Colin. Uh, he called the experience the closest you will get to actually being a college player. My favorite part was getting to know the coaches and meeting uh, other really competitive players. The edge in my performance definitely came from the preparation with the coaches. This camp is unlike any other. First off, how does that make you feel to hear something like that? And does that reaffirm that you're on the right path? Yeah, I mean – Anytime you get feedback like like that, you you feel like you're you're on the right path. And, and as you mentioned, you know Ted, you mentioned that there's a void and 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 there's a need. And you know if, if there's a void and need in one segment, then you're definitely onto something. But we see this as a void and a need in in many segments uh, across the industry and and different you know consumers, so to speak. So it's it makes us very proud. It, it means that most of all, we've given a platform to these coaches to be even more successful than they already are in their day-to-day college golf golf life. And for right. them to be able to to represent their their institutions, their programs, and and get feedback like that, you know, we're 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 just the uh, we're we're just providing the platform. It's it's the coaches that that get the credit for that um <laughs> for that uh, that testimonial. Um, so yeah, it it makes us feel proud in what we're doing. It makes us see that 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 scale that we're about to embark on is as as you touched on pretty quickly there. You know, we had we did three camps I think in 2021. We did 26 or 27 last year. And, and we're looking at doing about a hundred this year. Um, wow. So, so yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's a matter of having. We, uh, Joshua, I think for some reason we got cut out. 
Uh, I'm not sure if you can hear me or not, but um, I'm not sure if there's something on on your end or not. I'm not sure if you're able to hear me or not, but uh, just sort of mid-sentence, just all of a sudden stops. I don't know if maybe uh, you're having a technical issue on your end or not, but um, I'll give him another moment. He may have to... uh, to call back into the program, I'm not sure. Um, so let me, while, while I'm waiting for, for him to uh, to fix this on, on his end, um, just to, oh, yeah, it looks like he just dropped himself. And so I'll, I'll re, uh, start my, my next uh, comment. I'll wait for him to come back on. And uh, if he wants to finish his thought before I ask him the next, uh, here he is here. Well, welcome back, sir. <laughs> I I I, I right? apologize. The phone the phone the phone didn't move. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem. Um, you you got cut off uh, a little bit there. I'm not sure how uh, when you not. Were you able to hear me? Uh, I was I was not able to hear you, and I do not know exactly okay. when I got cut off. Let, let me let me do this. I, I I think you got most of it out, but it was probably about you know uh, 20 or 30 seconds that got cut off. But I, I want to read something else out, and then I'll get you to respond to this. Now that we're we're back on on track, there's just two more. This one is just more. I, I want the listeners to hear this, but this is I found this one very humorous. Uh, this is a high school senior. His name is Carter. I'm not going to read the the full names, just you know for privacy and that. Um, he thought it was awesome how the coaches talked through playing holes during this camp. And, and this is the part I found really humorous. He says, I'm a little bummed out that I didn't come to one of these sooner. And I just thought, that just says it all right there. As he understands, he gets it, um, the opportunity that it provided him and how it's helped to make him, uh, uh, you know, not just a better player, but it's given him an education and, and, and understanding. But I just found that just humorous that he came out and says, well, you know, I'm a little bummed that I didn't come into this sooner. So you, you've obviously got a lifelong, um, you know, uh, competitor there that appreciates what you're doing. This is the one I really want, uh, you know, to add in there. I mean, there's some from coaches and stuff and, and that, but this is the one that really, uh, you know, stuck with me as well. As, as mentioned, juniors, or as you mentioned, juniors and parents often uh, call the experience life-altering uh, because of the access they get to college, uh, to the college golf scene. Uh, and this D3 elite camp changed uh, her son's life. Uh, her name was Tracy, mother of a camp participant, giving a kids a chance to realize their dream to play college golf in monumental, uh, is monumental, excuse me, and we are grateful beyond words for the opportunity and lessons in self-discovery our son got in just two days. So that really goes to what you said earlier is, you know, again, this is not a, a, a Division One player. This is Division Three, which is still good, but not obviously as good as the Division One. This is a life-altering opportunity that her son was given doing your program give your thoughts here yeah one of the things that i've learned from our seminars is all coaches say the same thing if you want to play college golf you can and there's a place for you um it may not be on a top 25 team it may not be in d1 d2 or d3 it it could be in in junior college but if you want to play college golf if that's your goal you you can do that and in in this specific instance and and i can you know allude to it um we, we had a player pretty good tournament resume um but hadn't been playing golf for a very long time 
um, and was a little flying under the radar. And, and he needed a platform. He was, um, he was a rising senior, and he needed a platform to, to showcase his talents and get in front of coaches uh, of schools that he wanted to, to play for. He was also a very academically-minded uh, junior golfer. And so through that D3 Elite Camp, we were able to do that, and, and he was kind of found. I mean, you hear that a lot in, in other sports, especially in their showcase camps. But in right. this case, um, the platform gave him that ability for someone flying under the radar to, to get on that radar. And we have, we have camps um, that focus on different things. And if, and if you'd like to get into that, we certainly can. Um, but we have camps, like I I said, we have kids that are in the top 100 of their class. We have kids that, you know, are playing on AJGA. We have kids that are just starting out. And that on-course experience, that, that first testimony that you mentioned, that these kids wish that they had it, uh, they had done it before, junior golf can be lonely. You, you're you're right. on the course. Um, <clears throat> you know, you're, you have no caddy, except, I guess, if you're trying to qualify for, you know, mainly a, a major USGA event, et cetera. But you don't, you don't have a caddy. Um, yeah, you're meeting friends along the way, but it's really just you. And that's not the way it is in college golf. You have, you know, you right. have a, a head coach and assistant coach um, out there with you who are, you know, who are side by side. And so these camps give them an opportunity, in addition to learning course management and strategy from the college coaches, it gives them a chance to have that feeling. And in, a, in, in one of the camp types that we do, the preview camps, um, it gives them a chance to do that just prior to a, a junior tournament on that tournament course. So it, it's, it's giving a little bit of a, a competitive advantage. It's giving the, these kids an experience, to uh, like a college golf experience, and what's going to happen with them at, at college tournaments, but also giving them an opportunity to excel in, in junior golf. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of these kids, I mean, you know, and I say they're kids because they're a lot younger than I am, but, uh, you know, they're, they're able to play. They're competitive, many of them, or most of them certainly, and they, they get it. They know what they have to do out in the golf course for the first, uh, you know, aspect of it. But a lot of them really don't know the process, how to, how to realize, you know, they, they have a long-term vision, okay, I want to get out on tour or I want to, you know, get at some other level, and they don't have the stepping stones to do that and you're really opening a, not just a door and, and helping them to meet the right people but you're also providing an education as you said to help them understand you know what's it going to be like what are some of the challenges what are some of the things that you're going to be faced with uh, throughout this journey so that they're better prepared when they get there and, and just to give you a good example you know, we, uh, I interview on one of my other programs uh, with a good friend of mine, Cindy Miller, who's an LPGA professional, and we deal with a lot of the winners from the Epson Tour. And I think I mentioned this to you when we were at the PGA show yeah. this year at the, the Ab- party. Absolutely. And w- right, and, and by the way, I haven't forgotten your idea. Um, but <laughs> what was really interesting is something that you just said a few minutes ago, that many of them that come on, especially when they're new to the tour, is they are very lonely. Um, you know, sometimes they'll know other t- – girls from, from college and things like that, but they might be, um, you know, not always able to, to get together and things every tournament. So it's a very lonely journey at times. And a lot of times it takes them a couple of years out there to really learn the ropes. 
So what you're doing here, in a sense, is really guiding them um, and helping them prepare, not just by them becoming a better player, but understanding what they're going to be faced with at various stages up to and including their college experience. And, and is that pretty accurate in, in, in my assessment? Yeah, I, I think that there are <clears throat> various programs out there, initiatives that will help, uh, you know, the pathway of, of no matter where you want to take your golfing career, if you want to be a PGA, LPGA Tour star, or if you want to play college golf and, and go into, you know, mm-hmm. another field. It really the, – the key, the key for us is to helping them – find their fit and just I you know I, I'm sure you you've talked to to you know I know you do the Epson tour um, interview yep. at the end of uh, at the end of every week and I'm sure you, you know I'm, I I know that 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 lifestyle isn't for everyone that the tour lifestyle right. isn't for everyone and we, we talk about it our company find their fit and find their spot in college golf we are not the end-all be-all there are so many other amazing uh, services out there, recruiters, you know, services, et cetera, that, that play a part in this. And, and that's above and beyond the, the tournament game. You know, when, when you think about it, from, from a time a competitive junior golfer is, is kind of spawned, and if they see this idea of, of they enjoy the competitive aspect or the parents want them in it, you know, these parents spend a lot of money so these kids can participate in, in competitive events, and, and they, they, they chase rankings points for, for very good reason. And these parents right. are doing an amazing job at raising and supporting the junior golfers um, as they progress through, through various junior tours. You know, they all start out at a, at a local tour, and they, they work their way up, and, you know, all these kids, you know, they see the coup d'etat as, you know, the AJGA, and, mm-hmm. and, and playing in majors, qualifying for USGA mm-hmm. events, uh, et cetera. And, and, and the, the challenge is that is so vital to the success, but it's not helping them find their fit. We talked earlier about personality, um, right. culture of a team, you know, personality of a player, personality of a coach, et cetera. And tournaments is, is one bucket, one silo. And I think that it's mm-hmm. becoming, especially the world that we live in, it's becoming more and more prevalent um, that there is another silo to – to, to having the success in college because, I mean, the, the collegiate transfer portal, that, 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 I mean, you could probably do five shows on that with college coaches, Ted, but the right. collegiate <laughs> portal, the collegiate transfer portal is controversial and, and sometimes helpful, sometimes not as it is. You know, college is supposed to be the best four years of your life. And whether you, whether you play a sport or not, and, and if you do, you want to do it in a place that you want to be in. You don't want to be transferring, et cetera. Um, mm. and, and so there is another silo that, that I think that we are now a part of that will help players and, and their parents find that fit and find their spot and, 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 and learn what that pathway is to doing so. Yeah, and, and that's, as I mentioned earlier, is so important. You're, you're really putting – um, the three levels together, the, the coach, obviously, and, and the student and the parents, and really creating an opportunity, not for them just to meet and, and communicate and network. I mean, that's obviously a huge part of it, but really to, to fully understand um, the roles that each play um, from each other's perspective. I mean, the coaches obviously have a, 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 you know, a certain understanding, 
uh, players have a little bit of an understanding and the parents have a little bit of understanding. But really what you're providing is a vessel for them to be able to educate one another and have that experience and, as you said, find their place. For the, and it's all about really the, 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 the college student. It's helping them to find their place um, in, in this, uh, you know, grand scheme of things. And really also what you're doing is you're providing that opportunity for the parents to also, um, you know, make sure they're moving in the right direction uh, for their child um, and, you know, and not just sort of floundering around and saying, well, what do I do next? Um, so you're, you're really giving the education to all three. The coaches obviously, uh, you know, again, are a little bit different perspective, but um, certainly the other two, um, but they all play a, a, an equal part, just different. Um, and I think it's great what you're doing, and I, I couldn't think of a better person really to launch something like this. I mean, as I mentioned at the beginning of our segment, you know, you did a fantastic uh, job with TGA uh, in that particular business model, and um, it was I remember when you first mentioned before you actually, you know, dove in um, that you were planning on doing this. Uh, it was a, you know, a few years ago, and I remember and I thought, this is the right person to do this. And obviously, you know, you, you're, um, you're proving me right in my assessment. So um, thank well, you for that. I, I, I hope so. I mean, we've, we've, we're now, you know, um, uh, you know, a year and a half in, something like that, and, and, and we've certainly got a long way to go. Um, I, sure. I know that we can be, you know, obviously the, the scalability of this, um, you know, you know, within the, within states and then internationally as well as, you know, we start to see more and more international players come over and, 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 and play college golf. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think that there, there's so much more to finding your fit. You know, tournaments are, are indeed, they're, they're, they're the vital aspect um, to the pathway to college golf. They are. They're, 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 they're going to help with rankings. They're going to help, help a player and a coach identify the ability and, and, and where they're going to play. You know, upper-level Division One, middle-level Division One, maybe a Division Two player, et cetera. Um, finding a fit in terms of a program and a coach and, 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 and a school, that is something completely different. And, you know, I think that we are – we've been working on kind of a, a camp progression model, very similar to the right. tournament progression model that I described before. I mean, everyone knows the tournament progression model, right? You're – you start yep. local, you work your way up, you graduate, whether by age or by ability, and you work your way up to more regional, and then, you know, you hope to play on the national, you know, national, which is, you know, AJGA, and there are some yep. amazing regional and, and local tournaments, uh, tour- tour- tours, junior tours, and, and and then obviously you have your, your special invitationals in USGA events. So there, there's a very clear pathway with tournament golf, but there isn't a real clear pathway with helping players find that fit. And I, I'd like to think that, you know, what we're working on is, uh, is going to help them. Well, and that's what I said earlier in the beginning is you're really filling a void. Um, you're, you're exactly right. There is that ability to, um, you know, for, for kids, if they want to take uh, through tournament golf, uh, that approach, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but there's a whole other aspect of it as well. And you're, uh, as I said, you're really filling that bill. Um, for just as we get ready to, to wrap up here, um, we've talked a lot about uh, different things here and different aspects, but uh, for people to fully appreciate and know what's available and to be able to find out what the next step is, what's the best way to do that? What's the website where they can go to? And is there some social media, whether it be YouTube or whatever, that they can go uh, and <laughs> maybe see some 
some uh, videos and things like that that gives them a little bit of, of an insight. Absolutely. Um, all of our handles and our, our website are collegegolfintheletterx.com. Uh, um, we, uh, we, we have all kinds of content up there. We're, we're getting ready to unveil our camp progression model here, um, I, I would say, in the next 30 to 45 days uh, for juniors and their parents to, to really understand what the pathway is in, that, that really runs parallel with the golfers' tournament progression. Um, but, you know, the, I think that for, if, if I were a parent, I mean, obviously, if I'm a junior too or a, a, junior, a junior player as well, but if you look at the content that we have, it, it's unique. Um, you don't mm-hmm. see content on, on the web with, uh, uh, with or social media, et cetera. You don't see it with junior golfers directly engaging with college coaches. You just don't see it. Right. Um, you know, we all know at tournaments that coaches cannot, um, cannot communicate with, college, with, with junior golfers. And at our camp, right. we, we break down that barrier. And so when you look at some of the, whether it's a coach talking, uh, standing up and talking about a subject, you know, in one of our seminars, or even when you see uh, a college coach work with a junior golfer on the golf course on a specific shot and walk through it as though that they were their coach in college golf, it's exciting for us. It's, and, it, and, it, and it shows what's possible. Um, and and it's, it's really cool to see that we are, that we're, we're kind of we're changing lives through um, through this initiative. Well, uh, you know, uh, again, kudos to you, Joshua, for, for all that you do. Uh, and this is why you're so, you know, well-respected in the industry by so many different organizations and uh, add myself to that as well. I um, always enjoyed having you on the show. And, and I was really excited when you first mentioned this to me um, a couple of years ago that uh, what you were planning on doing and, um, you know, obviously I didn't fully, you know, grasp everything at the time because it was still in the earlier stages. I mean, you knew on your end, but I didn't. And um, it, it's definitely very, very exciting. I've been on your website and that. So it's, uh, again, collegegolfx.com, all of the information there, upcoming camps uh, and events and things like that, and all of the social media platforms are there as well, uh, YouTube and so forth. So if you want to go and, and, and see uh, and connect uh, there as well. But obviously if you want to reach out, there's an opportunity there to reach out with your parents or or uh, students that are looking to, um, you know, take things to the next level. Um, this is definitely something, in, and as I read out earlier, just a couple of uh, some of the quotes from parents and, and uh, players. Um, I didn't do the coaches, but I think that's self-explanatory. They wouldn't be coming, lining up at your door to be involved if they didn't feel it was a, a, a good opportunity for them to, uh, to benefit as well. But, um, again, kudos to all that you do, Joshua. You're really... Um, you know, have a lot of vision uh, in this industry, and you really seem to find the sweet spot, if you will, um, no pun intended to, to the golf vernacular, but uh, in this industry and, and really finding areas that need um, better attention, I think is the best way to put it. But um, any closing thoughts <laughs> that you want to uh, to say before uh, I let you go? No, no, no. I, I appreciate the uh, the pun, the sweet spot pun. I guess I used the rollback uh, pun earlier. Right. So uh, well, well done. <laughs> no, I, I I just think that with junior golf on the rise, and 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 hey, let's face facts, college golf is on the rise. I mean, look at right. now you're 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 seeing college golf tournaments on Golf Channel, um, you know, NIL deals, et cetera. There is so much opportunity in junior golf and college golf. 
that um, it's it's nice to be you know a small cog in the wheel. Um, the, but yeah, there's it, 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 there's never a better time right than right now for for junior golfers and college golfers. That's for sure. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, again, just uh, very quickly, the website is collegegolfx.com. Uh, all of the information is there. Uh, if you want to go and check it out after the show, by all means. And if you're tuning in late, uh, you can go, and I'll tell you all that when I let uh, Joshua go. But um, Joshua, thank you very much. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you come back and, and join me maybe later in the season. We'll, uh, you can give me an update of how the season went or what have you. But always a pleasure. You have an open-door policy to come on the show anytime uh, you want something to share with my audience. I appreciate it and you uh, giving so much of your time. And, uh, again, much continued success. You're doing a fantastic job, and we really appreciate it. Thanks, sir. You too, Ted. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That's uh, Joshua Jacobs, the CEO of College Golf Experience. And again, that website is collegegolfx.com. All of the information, contact, and otherwise is available there. Uh, And it really is a great opportunity if you've got uh, a young player, male or female, that uh, is uh, interesting and interested, excuse me, that's been playing junior golf particularly and wants to take uh, things to the next level and, and uh, learn more about uh, the opportunities that college golf can, can offer and beyond, uh, this is a great platform that uh, is available to anyone that is interested. So, uh, again, uh, as, as Joshua mentioned, it, it's not uh, you know, uh, attributed to their skill level. Uh, so the door is really open for anybody that wants to, uh, to take part. So I really strongly suggest that you do that. Uh, special thanks to the Coach's Corner panel, Pete and uh, Buchanan and Sue Weger for joining me a little bit earlier on the show. As always, a great job, guys. And uh, thanks again to my special guest, Joshua Jacobs, uh, CEO of College Golf Experience. I hope you enjoyed this broadcast. If you're interested in uh, you're joining in late, as I mentioned, and you want to uh, uh, go and listen to the show in entirety or just part of it, if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live, and scroll down to the on-demand section, give it a few minutes uh, for things to compile, uh, 10 to 15 minutes, and tonight's show will be there. But uh, you can also go and listen to previously aired broadcasts. It goes all the way back to the very beginning, 11 seasons. Uh, so you can listen to other shows, uh, maybe some guests on there that you uh, might recognize names from the golf industry that you want to listen to. Uh, those interviews are there as well, or some past Coach's Corner segments. We've been doing that for many years as well. But on that note, have a great week, everybody. God bless, and I will see you next time here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, Send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. 
With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.